Ready Champagne. Welcome to my show. I'm Shiny Champagne. Where we dream and lift each other up. I'm Shiny Champagne. Love is the answer. Grace is the way. Shade Champagne Show on Grindheart Radio and 57WLLE.net, the beat of the city in Raleigh, North Carolina. My theme song was produced by Alberto Morello, recorded and mixed by The Quakes, and written by me. For this week's episode, I have a very special guest. Eva McKeel is a 26-year-old worship leader in Texas focused on personal development, confidence, and wisdom. I have to give him a special introduction. Please help me welcome my dear friend, Evan McKeel. <laughs> Hi, hey, everyone. Evan. Hey, Sade. How are you? I'm doing well. I've got some Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I've got a notebook and a pen here ready to write down some wisdom from Sade today. <laughs> You're so funny. I feel the same way with you. I'm always blessed and encouraged by you. Just so you know, everyone, sometimes Sade and I have these phone calls not on the radio just because uh, I know she's going to have some good encouragement and some good wisdom I haven't thought of before. So this is just kind of a peek into a normal Evan and Sade phone call. <laughs> Exactly. So I want to share with everyone first how we got connected many moons ago, back when you were on this little show that people may know of on NBC called The Voice. (laughs) And you, your voice, speaking of, no pun intended, is so beautiful. And just you could feel your heart and your sincerity that I just, I was so supportive of you on the show and even afterwards I wanted to connect with you and have you be on my radio show and we have been you know um, continuing to build a friendship and support one another since then yeah and and, you know we, we did a lot of radio stuff a lot of you know little publicity things here and there and interviews you're right many moons ago five six years ago on that show and you know you you don't really expect to strike up a good, you know, friendship and to keep in touch with, with someone from that, you know, Mm -hmm. you're the only person I did an interview with back then that I still follow and listen to and that we still, we still talk and do things like this together. So it's been cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was many moons ago. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was. How has your life changed since you were on The Voice and what have you been learning about yourself since then, Evan? Life has changed very, very much, you know, uh, after the show was over, I, I was in Nashville doing some recording for a little while. And, you know, one of the reasons that I went and did The Voice, um, even though it wasn't my idea, God kind of just dropped the opportunity into my email. One day I just got a, a random email from someone from the show saw a video of me and asked me to come sing. And I really feel like God was giving me an opportunity to go see what the music industry and the performance industry is like firsthand. Mm-hmm. I'd always kind of been torn between doing ministry as a main career path and, and job and vocation and, and being a touring artist and a recording artist in the music industry. And I really feel like mm. the voice was like a crash course for me to, to be able to go and experience a high dosage of what the music industry is like uh, and decide mm. if I think it was right for me. And it was so much fun. I would trade it for nothing, but I think one mm-hmm. of the best things the voice did for me was it gave me clarity that um, mm. there are some things about being in the music industry full-time that were not the right fit for what I want for myself, my life, my family, the traveling, mm. and, and even some of the, the culture. Uh, it wasn't all exactly right for me. And, and it kind of led me to start looking back at doing ministry again and working for the church like, like I have mm. uh, quite, a, quite a lot of my life too. 
And I really feel like I've landed mm-hmm. in a perfect kind of in-between spot. It took me a couple of years after the show was over, but in 2017, I came here to, to Texas to work for mm-hmm. an amazing church called Church, church Unlimited. And it's mm-hmm. a really big church, bigger church than I ever thought I would be at. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way, we, the way we do our music on the weekends and even our stage and everything reminds me so much of The Voice. So, like, where I am now is kind of right in between The Voice and working for a church. It's almost like doing what I did on The Voice for a church. And so I really have kind of ended up with the best of both worlds. Um, mm. So I guess what I learned about myself is that I'm, I think before I was really trying to serve ego. Um, I was really mm-hmm. trying to serve my own desire for success and importance mm-hmm. and people knowing who I am. And what I learned about myself and what I learned about us as people is we're much happier serving other people's needs and doing things that benefit other people than we are trying to benefit ourselves. So that's probably the main thing I learned. And I learned that I love Texas more than anywhere in America. Cool that you, like you said, you've been able to find the niche, the niche that's for you and what you really desired in your heart. And so, you know, we obviously, we all know we have been in a pandemic for over a year now. And I would like yes. to know, as a creative and performing artist, as a worship leader, how are you navigating your way through the pandemic? And what advice and words of encouragement, Evan, would you give to other aspiring and up-and-coming songwriters, creative artists, worship leaders, et cetera? That's a great question. And, you know, a year ago, I think the church in general, performers in general, musicians, creatives, had to get very, very creative. You and mm-hmm. and a lot of people did some of their best creativity in that time. You know, Billie Eilish just announced a new album that she said would not have happened without COVID. Taylor Swift just swept all these Grammys on this album that she recorded during quarantine. And so in a way, the challenges that came from complications due to COVID and, and the quarantine and the isolation that we had to experience, I think those are actually excellent conditions for creativity because creativity is really birthed when your normal way of doing things is no longer available to you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I did mm-hmm. a lot of, I did a lot of writing during quarantine. Um, our, mm-hmm. our church started writing music for the first time uh, as a, as a mm-hmm. worship team during quarantine. We kind of had to change the entire way we did church. And if anyone that's listening that goes to a church or works for a church or has even been to church, understand how flipped around, you know, the kind of online church and streaming, like everybody had to get creative. And so in a way, I think it's important for us to recognize the opportunities for creativity grew when the, when the pandemic came. And, you know, if anything, we were probably in more of a rut before that. We had to ask a lot of mm. questions we had never asked. We had to try things different ways um, than mm-hmm. we had ever tried. And so in a way, I think I've seen creativity go through the roof since since quarantine. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. I love that. One of my favorite quotes by a dear friend of mine, Sweeney May, and she says that um, when your resources seem to be at their lowest, your creativity is actually at its highest. Wow. You have to do more with less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's great. That's that's such good advice. What are you currently working on, Evan, and have coming out in the near future? It's funny enough, we were busy with church during quarantine. Uh, the most recent creative work that I've done in my own life was a writing project um, on one of my yeah. favorite topics, which is confidence. You just mentioned a minute ago in my bio, confidence is one of the mm-hmm. things I'm most interested in. And um, one mm-hmm. of the mission statements I've written in my life is that I'm here on earth to inject confidence into as many people as I can. I think confidence is one of the most important currencies that each person needs to have. It's pretty much, mm. in my opinion, the number one the number one thing that determines success is confidence. Um, mm. And I've been wanting to write about, about it for a while. I felt like I had these ideas about confidence and the misconceptions about confidence and even the ingredients of confidence. Um, that I had wanted to write about for a while. And it was actually, I got COVID right after our Christmas services at the end of December. And um, I was Mm. like, well, how can I use this two weeks that I had to stay home where my body isn't going to feel well, but I still have a healthy mind and I have time 
and I'm going to be home. Like, how can I make the best of this? If you're talking about being creative, I think that's really a, a creative question. How am I mm. going to make the most of what I, of what I have? And like you said a minute mm. ago, it's when we have less. Uh, I was able to do less. I was not able to go places. But that mm-hmm. actually brought, that forced me to be creative. And I started asking some mm-hmm. questions, and, and God kind of helped me realize this would be the best time to sit down and hole up and write about this topic that you've been wanting to write about. You're not going to have two weeks off again, maybe ever <laughs> at one time, you know, so how can you use this? And so uh, mm-hmm. I got on a, a ton of a ton of vitamins and, and sat down for a week or two and, and wrote this short, you know, 30 to 40 page guide on what confidence is, how to get it, mm. and the, the things that we believe about confidence that aren't true, the things we don't understand about it that are keeping us from getting it. And so it's called, mm. it's called what, is Conf- what is Confidence and How Do I Get It? Very, very mm. uh, straightforward title. Um, and so that's the, the most recent work that I've done kind of on the side outside of ministry. Um, and it's actually, I haven't done a lot to promote it yet. Um, but it is available on my website. Um, I've kind of been holding on to it. Um, and I even feel you reaching out to me and asking me about it was kind of my little nudge mm-hmm. to, to go make it to go make it available to people and put a little bit of energy behind it. Yes, yes, that's so good. I'm looking forward to reading that and also having our, our audience read it as well and just be encouraged by it. So speaking of mm-hmm. confidence, let's discuss some of our favorite topics, Evan. Let's go first into, let's share a little bit. I'd love to hear from you on confidence. What is it? Where do you think it comes from? How do we get confidence? What does a confident person look like? I know that's a a, a myriad of questions, but give us um, an overview of what you think it looks like, what it is, and how it can manifest in a person. One of the reasons, you're getting me excited. This is like my favorite thing to talk about. Um, One of the (laughs) things that I think keeps us, from becoming confident is that we think you either just have confidence or you don't. We would either, we would look at confident people and say they're confident, but that's just not me. I'm just not a confident person. I just wasn't born with confidence, but confidence mm. is um, something that is built in you. Anyone that I don't think mm. anyone is born with confidence. I think some people right. maybe are born into situations that breed confidence, but confidence mm. is something that you can plant and water in yourself. So people that seem like they were born confident, they probably, if you look back, they were just in situations and they, like, when I talk about in my book, the five ingredients of confidence, someone who seems like they were born with confidence, it's most likely that those five ingredients were maybe just really natural in their life. But the Mm. the things that make you a confident person, um, you might not have been given them you know, from birth, like someone who seems like they were born with it. But the the most important thing for us to realize is that confidence can be had by anybody if you just know what to do. You're, you're asking, what does a confident mm. person look like? Um, another thing that we talk about in, in what is confidence and how do I get it is the three different levels of confidence. Uh, level one is like, nobody look at me. You know, someone who doesn't have a lot of confidence, they maybe tend to hide they kind of want to be in the back. They don't want to have mm-hmm. attention put on them, you know, because they maybe mm-hmm. feel uh, not confident yet. Maybe they're starting off from a, a lower point of self-esteem. And then mm-hmm. level two of confidence is, is everybody look at me. Someone who tries to draw mm-hmm. a lot of attention to themselves and someone who is very loud, very out there, often mm-hmm. looks confident to us. But the more mm-hmm. uh, outspoken loud, braggadocious someone is, they look confident to us, but that actually displays a lack of confidence. What a really confident Mm. person looks like is someone who is not afraid of attention, but also doesn't need attention. Mm. So someone who's Mm -hmm. not, not confident yet might be afraid of attention. Someone who looks confident, but isn't really, is someone who needs attention to feel confident. But a really confident Mm -hmm. person is someone who's like, I don't care if you pay attention to me. That's not going to affect my self-esteem. And if you don't pay mm-hmm. any attention to me, that's not going to affect my sense of self-esteem either. Someone whose mm-hmm. feelings about their self-worth and their self-value is so steady 
that a spotlight does not increase it and the lack of a spotlight does not decrease it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. That's good, Evan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so someone who that. is at that point, someone who is at that point who does not need approval and attention um, and their sense of worth isn't raised or lowered by other people's opinion, they are now in a position to provide attention, approval, affirmation, encouragement to other people. Someone who is really confident mm-hmm. probably isn't super, super concerned with themselves, their own image, their own reputation. They're actually concerned with going out and helping other people to have more self-worth, helping other people to feel better about themselves. Someone who is mm-hmm. sowing into other people is someone whose cup is already overflowing. And that's what mm-hmm. a really confident person looks like. If you ever see someone who's out spending most of their time and energy pouring into other people, they're probably very, very self-confident to the point that they don't really even need someone to shout them out for every accomplishment or praise them for everything they do or share everything that they're doing, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So with that being said, let's go into social media some. And, you know, um, I actually was just doing a, a Facebook Live about this because, you know, we can oftentimes take everything we see on social media to be real life. And so there's a lot of people that can appear to be one way that are not that way at all. And this can go in religious and faith-based communities and non-religious or non-faith-based communities as well. And so I'd love for us to talk a little bit and hear your thoughts on with social media and, you know, how can it be hurting our confidence or actually helping our confidence in our relationships and, you know, how we can actually use it for our benefit and not for our detriment. Hmm. I'm interested to know, Sade, what you what you talked about on social media on your Facebook Live, um, the one you just mentioned. Sure. Share, share with me a little bit about what, what you all have already talked about it. Sure. I talked about yesterday about um, fake love, how, so, how relationship gurus can be damaging, and fake couple goals, unrealistic expectations, and fake relationship advice. Because, you know, we have seen the rise of everyone who is a guru, and and they're given this love advice and relationship advice, but oftentimes the advice they're giving is not really beneficial if you're actually trying to build a healthy relationship and be married and happily married one day. Usually it's advice given from someone who, who either hates the opposite sex and they're trying to get you to manipulate the person or they're putting these unrealistic expectations they look one way on social media and we're just looking at them and thinking, well, they must have the perfect life. Look at how many followers they have, Evan. Look, look at how yeah. they look physically. Look at the relationship that we think that they have. And so I was sharing with people how a lot of this stuff is fake and you have to be able to eat the meat and spit out the bones. But also some stuff is so full of so bones good. you just throw the entire thing away because you don't know, like, what is actually real from this person's life and what is not. And so you're sitting there worshiping and idolizing another person, which we should never do because they're made of the same substance as we are. And then Mm -hmm. you're feeling bad about yourself. And and it goes to what, you know, what we want to talk about. You're feeling even, you're feeling bad about yourself. You're not knowing how to take in, you know, you're not knowing how to filter out the information. And so you're seeing so much of men and women being pitted against each other. And I think that's what's great about our friendship and us being able to connect you know, um, in not only a faith-based environment, but non-faith-based environments as well, is able to show, like, men and women don't have to beat each other's throats all the time. And so that's what I talked Preach. about yesterday. People Come are definitely on. loving it. <laughs> Good word. Good word. And yeah. man, we could we could spend an hour on deprogramming yeah. people from bad relationship advice. I think most yes. relationship advice I hear is pretty bad. I think even yes. taking, uh, you know, relationship advice off social media almost on its own is kind of a, a dangerous thing to do. I think the best thing you could do is find a couple that you know in real life whose marriage mm-hmm. and relationship you would like to emulate in your own life. Just go sit mm-hmm. and have lunch with them and ask them all the questions you're asking on social media, you know, because mm-hmm. if you're asking advice from someone whose relationship you would not want to be in, you're just gonna mm-hmm. they're giving you a roadmap to have a relationship just like them. That's great. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. People were definitely really connected with it and so I know you're passionate about sharing, you know, with um, your thoughts on social media as well and how it can 
oftentimes what should be a blessing to us can actually be a detriment to people. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely pros to social media. I'm not, you know, one of those, you know, vintage, you know, old school, things were better back in the old days, <laughs> people who's like, social media ruined everything. I, I mean, even just having memes in our life now, it, I, I would think social mm-hmm. media just for there being more laughter in the world. So there's yes. some pros to it. <laughs> Yeah. The the problem is we are so attached to social media. We we mm. spend more of our life on social media than we do in our real life, it seems. And the line has been mm. blurred between we, – we used to say things like, oh, well, there's social media, and then there's real life. But at this point, mm-hmm. I, I don't think those are two separate things anymore. We treat mm-hmm. social media like it is real life. It has very much become a part of – real life. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. the more we post on social media, especially, uh, you've already spoken some about this, about how when we view other people on social media, it stirs up feelings of comparison. It makes us feel Mm -hmm. that we are lacking in something because we are comparing our real, raw, unfiltered life to someone's highlight reel, very filtered life, and wondering why Mm -hmm. we don't have what they have when they don't even have what they say they have. So from viewing other people <laughs> yep. on social media, you're, you're setting yourself up to feel less than, and it can really take hits to your self-worth. What I talk about when it comes to social media in what is confidence and how do I get it is that the more we post on social media, the more we are setting ourselves up to be disappointed by the reactions we get from what we post. Whether we would admit wow. it or not, every time, every time we post a selfie, a status, an mm-hmm. opinion – we are doing so with the hope of some kind of reaction. And I don't think we are very conscious and aware of this, but if we post a selfie or an opinion or an expression or thought, somewhere in the back of our mind, we have an expectation for what kind of reaction we are hoping to get. At the end of the day, Mm. the only reason we post on social media is hoping that someone will affirm that we are good-looking, good, um, that we want people to agree and approve of what we think, these are mm-hmm. normal social needs that we have. We should be getting things like that from our relationships. But we're mm-hmm. asking for these things from people that don't really know us. So mm. in, in real, real life, you might, it, I think it's pretty healthy to have three people in your life that you're close to and you care about. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. social media makes us so anxious is because we now have the expectation that there should be 3,000 people who care about what we think, care about what we're doing, and care about what we eat. You know what I mean? And we're posting, wow. we're, sharing th- we're sharing things about ourselves, sharing things about our personal lives that 20 years ago you would have shared over lunch with four people. And now we're sharing those mm-hmm. same things with 400 or 4,000 people and expecting mm-hmm. that every single person that follows us to be interested in, in the, the details of a person that they don't really spend time with in real life. And so I think our, wow, our, idea of, our idea of those things is kind of distorted now. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing is every time you post, you're, you have an expectation that really can't be met. Um, you're you're mm-hmm. hoping that people are going to say, man, you look amazing, or you're hoping people are going to agree with you. You know, I, I sometimes would get frustrated even tweeting what I thought was helpful advice. It would get two likes, and I'd be like, man, I feel like this is a good piece of wisdom. Like, how is this not blowing up? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm, it's, it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to post on social media and not have your expectations disappointed in some way. Wow. Because you're, you're mm. expecting something that is almost definitely not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And even if it does happen, it's like a drug. You're going to want it to continue happening or happen more and more. And so that goes back into what you just said, um, confirming that with that disappointment setting yourself up for that disappointment. That's good. Yeah. A second thing, a second thing that social media does to create anxiety in your life is we are now aware of every bad thing that happens when it happens, not just in our community, Mm. but all over the world. And Mm -hmm. it's led us to believe that the world is in worse shape than it was. All you hear is, man, things are getting worse. Things have never been so bad. Things have never been so tense. I don't actually believe that's true. I think we're actually in a really great time. 
the, the only mm-hmm. difference from now versus 15, 20 years ago is there was just as many bad things happening all around the world, but you only really knew about the ones happening close by. Now, yeah. you're, it's not that more bad things are happening. You're just you're able, inundated. To keep, you're able to keep up with bad things happening in other countries. But mm-hmm. knowing about those things hasn't really made us more able to do anything about them. And I'm not saying don't, you know, don't do what you can to make a difference, but we are, mm-hmm. we are keeping up with issues that we have no control over local things, mm-hmm. things that are happening physically around you and within your actual reach of influence, you can go and do something about that. And so I, I've encouraged mm-hmm. a lot of the young adults in my life to do what I call operating locally, which means share your achievements Whatever you're going to post on social media, have a group of five friends in real life, ask them to lunch, and share those things there, not, on, not publicly on social media, because those five mm. people really care about it. And rather mm. than be worried about, you know, tensions or natural disasters happening in other countries and, and letting them affect your, your emotions, you know, pray about what you can pray about, but... You know, it, it shouldn't be stressing you out that something is happening that you can't do anything about when there are mm-hmm. things happening right around you that you can do something about. There are probably mm-hmm. at least three, three people in your physical vicinity, in your neighborhood, church, city, or community that need your help, and you are in position to do something to make a difference in their lives, whereas mm-hmm. if there is a kind of social unrest in India that you see a trending on Twitter, that is an issue, but it's across the world. Mm -hmm. And now that's creating anxiety in your life, but it's not really a fruitful anxiety because there's not, you're not in a position all the way over here besides maybe giving some money to something. You're you're not there and you can't really do anything about it. Does that make sense? That inundation with all the world's problems at once, that's too much for one person. We we weren't created Mm -hmm. to, to, keep track of the whole world at once. That's God's job. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's so good, Evan, which now leads me into another thing we wanted to discuss with our daily habits, our choices, our lifestyle, you know, and just talking about that some and and how we can use our time and set ourselves up to win each day. I know I would like to comment on this, and I would love to hear your thoughts as well with daily habits and choices, our lifestyle is that for me, and this goes right into what you were just talking about, God has really been moving my heart away from listening to other people's opinions, being inundated with everything that's happening in the world, and God has been moving my heart back and more towards hearing God's opinion and seeing everything from God's eyes. And so I found myself, even being in the entertainment industry, even being an artist, even with all the things I do, guess what? I am like, I don't have to be inundated with every information about what this person is doing, what they're thinking, what's the next this or next that. I've just been taking a break from all those things. And the Holy Spirit's been moving my heart away from that as well to where I don't even, I'm not even interested in that type of content anymore and where I'm way more focused on what God is saying, what God is showing me. And that's what's been filling my day. And I have found not only am I more optimistic, which I know sounds funny because people are like, you're already optimistic, but just an inter- even, an in more, even a more internal optimism and also just feeling more relaxed, more at peace, and just feeling more centered in my spirit. And so that's been a really huge daily habit for me is, is listening and receiving and watching and reading more content that is focused on what God is saying and on the goodness of Jesus and God's promises. And even just in my time of meditation so and silence. And so that's um, something that has been very highly effective and a, and a blessing in my life. So what about you? That's so good. And I've been finding this to be true too. Just you have peace from being in God's presence and just spending mm. more time in God's presence. And a lot of us mm-hmm. feel a, a I even talk to believers that are like, I don't really have time. Well, to say yes to listening to God, to say yes to spending more time in God's presence is going to require you maybe to say no to something that you're doing now. And mm-hmm. people will say sometimes, well, I just don't really have time to sit and listen to what God is saying. I don't really have time to be in the Word. I don't really have time to mm-hmm. pray. I Usually you can get them to realize that they do pretty quickly. You say, oh, well, just um, – just give God one Netflix show. 
<laughs> just one. Yeah. How how many episodes do you normally watch in the morning or at night before or after work? Oh, three or four. Sweet. You can watch two or three and then spend mm-hmm. one 45-minute episode of Ozark um, talking to God um, or, or reading yeah. some scripture or just going for a walk or something. When you when mm-hmm. you think about replacing things that way, you realize, oh, I have a lot of time in my day. I'm just kind of wasting it or I do have time. I just need to, you know, re- replace this with this. And you asked mm-hmm. me at the beginning of this phone call, you know, what, how have you changed, you know, since you and I first started speaking together and did an interview when I was on The Voice? And I would say the number mm-hmm. one thing is that has changed is how I use my time. Before I was mm-hmm. on The Voice, and to be fair, I was 18, 19, 20-year-old guy. And I was just mm-hmm. streaming and scrolling and gaming myself to death. And I think that's where where most of our this is another thing we talk about in the in the book about confidence is yes, some people have some unavoidable, inevitable, even hereditary bouts of anxiety and depression. I'm never going to discount someone's experience with those right. things. But but right. I would say a large majority of the rises in anxiety and depression we have are I don't know if I want to say self-inflicted, but they are avoidable. They, they are treatable. Mm-hmm. A lot of it comes mm-hmm. from the way that we spend our time, and, and we owe it to ourselves to control the things that are within our control. And back then, like, I would just stay up super late till 2, 3 a.m. Uh, playing video games. I would, I would get up just whenever I woke up, eat whatever I felt mm-hmm. like eating. I had no structure, no discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of just... If I felt like doing it, I did it. And so I was streaming, scrolling, and gaming myself to death all day. Mm. And those activities Mm -hmm. are okay sometimes, but they naturally isolate you, and they naturally keep you indoors. When I switched those things out for walking, lifting weights, reading, spending time with people in person, not on social media, um, Mm -hmm. spending making the the very first thing I do in the morning, getting in into God's word and scripture and, and praying to God and letting him kind of set the tone for the day, literally mm-hmm. just switching out some habits and routines for other habits and routines set my life in a completely, completely different direction. And, you know, it's something you can continue to tweak. I'd like to think of it as your, your like mental diet. If what you're mm-hmm. eating, you know, at your meals and for your snacks dictates, you know, how, sluggish your body feels, I believe that the diet for your mind determines how sluggish Mm. or energized your spirit feels. There's a reason when we scroll through social media, we call it your news feed. That is what you are feeding your mind and your spirit. And so if you feel Mm -hmm. anxious or depressed or just sluggish or you don't have energy or fire, it might be as simple as changing what your eyes and your ears are taking in just looking at different things, hearing different things, cutting out, you know, negativity and, and you know, all the overwhelming news like we talk about. Sometimes it's just as mm-hmm. simple as going outside and getting in the sun for a little while and not just sitting mm-hmm. inside and looking at the screen. I find the sky yeah. to be a much larger, more beautiful big screen <laughs> TV than the one in my living room. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's so good. And it's funny, too, because, you know, Sometimes we we are praying to God about certain things or we think we desire certain things and then God does that. You're like, okay, now I'm overwhelmed, God. Now I'm overwhelmed. There's too many comments. There's too many these things. I don't have enough time to respond to everybody. And then you're realizing yes. the joy and con- you're realizing the joy and contentment and satisfaction and just being present with where you are in this moment and being mindful. And so that's been huge for me as well. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think. Um, an idea I've been thinking a lot about are what um, there's a link between the most common issues and the most common pastimes. Does that make sense? Mm, What are the most common issues that we have and, you know, anxiety, depression, frustration, you know, some of these like Mm -hmm. mental and spiritual problems that are plaguing our our world in 2020 and 2021. What are the most common Mm -hmm. issues I think there's a clear link between the common issues and the most common pastimes. What are we, what Mm. are the, what is the average person in America spending most of their time doing? And I, to me, there's your answer. Because if it's a common Mm -hmm. issue, then it must be linked to common activity. And so I think we need to try 
something different than what, you know, quote unquote, everyone else does. I think the average mm-hmm. day now is I get up 30 minutes before work and I, you know, I, I run through the drive through at Starbucks and get a milkshake um, or frappuccino, but to me it's a milkshake. And then I go to work <laughs> and, you know, I sit at my desk all day and then I come home and then I watch six episodes of Netflix and then I go to bed. To me, that, that seems mm-hmm. to be kind of the most common template and routine for the day in America right now. And Mm -hmm. I used to do that every day and I was horrifically depressed. And so I, Mm. I, I, I feel, I really feel like God put the right people around me in my life to show me, Hey, you know, you can watch one episode of Netflix and then go for a walk and cook dinner and read a little bit and go for a drive with some friends and catch up. Like there's there's something different. There's some, there's another way of doing life and spending your day besides that normal routine that we kind of just do without thinking about it because that's just what you do, you know? I think we have mm. to tinker with our daily routine until those things aren't affecting us so badly anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So, Evan, how do you deal with stress, negativity, and doubt? Stress, negativity, and doubt? Yes. I think those three are similar, but different from one another. Um, what were the mm-hmm. three stress? You said negativity. Yes, stress. I think you really nailed. I think you really nailed negativity a moment ago when you were speaking mm-hmm. about what you listen to and what you don't listen to. And then one of the most mm-hmm. powerful ways to get negativity and stress out of your life is to choose uh, is to cut out any content that affects your mood in a negative way. The same way that Mm -hmm. a rainy day makes you feel a little bit kind of eh, kind of meh, but a sunny day, Mm -hmm. you naturally kind of have more energy. I am having one of the best years of my life in 2021. I've had very, very few of those kind of down days where I just feel like I'm struggling to get going. And the only Mm -hmm. thing I changed this year was what music I listened to. I made a playlist Mm -hmm. on Spotify called uh i think it's called high energy and i only put mm-hmm. songs that make me feel up that make me feel happy songs that are a little bit faster songs that are in major mm-hmm. key songs that just kind of make me feel good and and that i enjoy listening yeah. to and i i stopped listening to any like ballads songs about breakups songs about struggles mm-hmm. like anything that's kind of morose mm-hmm. and and kind of down and some people mm-hmm. even told me like well that's not really accurate to the human experience. But I, I mm-hmm. know that I'm going to face hardship. I'm going to face relational problems in my life. So why mm-hmm. would I experience them more often than I need to by watching shows <laughs> and listening to music about those things right. unnecessarily? Right. Mm-hmm. To me, like wow. I think we, we watch shows that stimulate negative feelings. We watch TV shows mm. and, and most like Netflix shows and network shows that we watch in America are rooted in like betrayal, um, yep. arguing, separation. Like th- there aren't shows with a hero that you want to be like. We have shows in America that are about like villains that you relate to, but you know, mm-hmm. it's almost too mm-hmm. real. It's almost too realistic. I, I can't, to see that every day. And, and I felt sad much more often right. when I watched shows that were sad mm-hmm. and sad music makes you feel sad. I, I think we really underestimate how impressionable our minds and our moods are and how much the content that we take in affects the way we feel on a daily basis. Um, mm. And so that's so good. Just changing, changing my playlist, what I watch, what I listen to, what I read and which, and which people I'm around. I pretty much, mm. I don't feel like I've had a down day this year and we're about to enter May. And I didn't think that was possible, wow. but I really believe that's possible. You change your diet. Wow. wow. Thank God. That's amazing. So do you have a couple questions you'd like to ask me, Evan? Let me think. I think I wrote some down here, but I've walked away from my computer now. Um, <laughs> so I I, I'm, I'm, I'm just one. interested to know what what do you feel like God is preparing you for right now? Because that's an idea that I've been thinking a lot about is preparing. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time we're very 
we're, we're stressing out trying to create opportunities for ourselves. And God has been mm-hmm. teaching me not to worry about opening doors so much, but about preparing for what's in the room. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Let him open the doors. You yeah. just be ready for what's in the room he's opening. So I'm interested to know mm-hmm. what you feel, how God needs you to prepare right now. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, Evan. I feel like for me, God's really, really been helping me to learn how to trust him in deeper and more intimate ways that I didn't even know I struggled in or that were challenging for me because they never had presented themselves or maybe I avoided them, you know, Mm. which is um, very common for people that have grown up in chaotic and traumatic environments is, you know, you can have a lot of, you can have a lot of avoidance and, and also dissociation as well. And so I feel like God has really, really been wanting to help me and has been helping me to learn how to trust him in deeper and more intimate ways that have been very challenging for me because, you know, we want control. You know, we want control. We want to know how everything is going to work out, and we want to be able to have a a sure thing. It needs to look certain. But really, as we both know, the only thing that's certain in this world is God and the love of God and everything he has promised us that may not always manifest on this side, but we know for sure it will manifest in eternal life. And so God has really been wanting to help me to learn how to be present in today and trusting him moment by moment and depending on him moment by moment and understanding that it's it's okay if I don't know all the answers to things. It's okay if I'm struggling in this area and to learn how to trust him and depend on him and, and open up, you know, in even deeper ways with God, but that he's helping me in this and he's not going to move me from this place because it's something I know he really, really wants to instill in me and have me be rooted in. That's great. I love what you said about trusting moment by moment, not needing to know everything, not needing to know everything. Mm-hmm. That's a huge obstacle mm-hmm. for us to be at peace. We feel like we need to know everything. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. But like, how how do I know what's happening around this corner? And how do I know this? And how do I know this person is legit? And how do I know this? And so that is another way that we can foster anxiety as well. <laughs> anxiety, depression, all those things. No that are, kidding. You know, they all tend to, to run together. They're all cousins of each other. You have one that the other one is right around the corner is, is there as well. So <laughs> that's for me um, Most definitely. what I feel like God has been preparing me for. That's great. Man, if you can if you can learn to get to a place of trust and not needing to have, be in control of everything, talk about a way to have peace. Talk mm-hmm. about a way to get rid of anxiousness and negativity. Just be, man, I think things are going to be all right. I don't think I need to know everything, mm-hmm. and I trust that God knows what he's doing, and I'm just going to take the little bit of instructions he's given me. And I found the last year or two in my relationship with God, most of what I'm doing God didn't ask me to do. His instructions for me are typically very simple and very manageable. One time, maybe mm. a year ago, I was like, God, you know, what do I need to do right now? What do I need to do? And he said, sing. And I was like, yeah, mm. well, I'm already singing. He's like, sweet. Then what are you, <laughs> why, then what are you worried about? You're already, then you're already mm. doing what I asked. <laughs> mm. And it was just so simple. Wow. He's like, man, everything you're doing is great. You know, the, thing, the areas you're hustling, reading and writing, pouring into people, like all of that stuff is great. But if he told me one day, if all you did right now in your life was sing, you would get where I want you to go. If you did nothing mm. at all in your life but sing and sing for this church mm-hmm. and sing in this place I put you, you would get where I want you to go. Do you see how simple my instructions are for you and, and how much I'm going to take care of on your behalf? All I'm asking mm-hmm. you to do is sing you're worried about 12 things. I've only really given you one thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so good, Evan. That's so good. So do you have, before we get ready to wrap up the show, are there any other questions or another question you'd like to ask me? Hmm. Another one I wanted to ask you is, you know, I know this is probably something you've thought about a lot. You're a, an encourager, a speaker, someone full of wisdom. What do you think is the most important message that speakers, uh, someone like you who is a speaker, like what do you think is the most important message to the world right now? I feel like the most important message or the greatest encouragement for me to give others is that they are so loved and that they are so cherished by God and that no one and nothing can take that away from them and no one and nothing can determine their worth and their value. Because this goes back into what you were talking about with your new book, 
you know, a confidence and how do we get it, where does it come from, is most of the things we do in this world, most of the things we desire, the things we're struggling about is because people want to feel loved. They want to feel cherished. They want to feel valued. But think about when we're able to really receive how valued and loved we are by God, how cherished we are by God, how much our life matters. And that that can never be taken away from us. No one and nothing can determine our value and worth. No one and nothing can reject us because they are not our creator. They don't have the qualifications, the authority. They don't have the power to do that. And God will never reject us. It will literally change the scope of people's lives. They will see everything and everyone so differently. And they'll be in so much of a happier position. They'll start doing things because they actually want to and not to just receive love or to feel worthy or valuable, they'll already feel that way. And I think that goes into what we said with your book with confidence. It's a lot of times why people are struggling with confidence is because they don't feel that way. And so that for me is the biggest message. I think that is so important because I feel like that at the core of human beings heart and that why we struggle so much is people feel unworthy, unvaluable and undeserving. And that's like the cry, even people that are believers and that, You see it. They've been loving Jesus and living, you know, um, they've been living in Christ for most of their life. They still feel unworthy and unvaluable, which you and I have talked about that before. And we're like, that is not of God. God never created us to feel that way. And so that for me is the most important message that I want people to receive. That is so powerful. That challenges me too. You know, sometimes we get frustrated with the way people are acting or what they're doing. Or, man, I can't believe they're posting that. I can't believe they're saying that. I can't believe they responded that way. But if you remember that everything they're doing is just to be loved. They're just they're just mm-hmm. trying to find love and affirmation. It gives you a different empathy. You're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, they're not trying to hurt someone. They're not trying to be obnoxious or something. They just, they must really need to be loved. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful exactly. paradigm shift in the in the way we see people. Mm-hmm. I love that, and that you're right because then when you realize that and you're seeing people through those eyes, and that's what we're seeing is happening in the breakdown in our society as well. Is there's not enough compassion, there's not enough empathy, and we look at people as our enemy, but people are not your enemy. It talks mm. about how it's the mindsets, it's the belief system, it's the lies that are the enemy. It's like another human being is not your enemy. And when you see, like you said, that's oftentimes where people's behavior is coming from and why they think the way they do is trying to receive that love. We have so much more compassion and mercy and patience for ourselves and for one another. Wow. Yeah. Good word. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Evan, it has been so amazing having you back on my radio show how many years later after you were on The Voice and your life is so different now, but even more. I know, and six years. Seeing, and seeing you blossom and bloom has been just a true blessing. I'm so thankful to have a friend in you and just thankful for who you are. And as we wrap up, I'd love for us to take some time to pray for our audience and share some words of encouragement with them and also let everyone know how they can stay updated with you on your social media, how, you know, they can book you for different gigs or for speaking engagements, mentoring, all those good things. Or maybe you can do that first okay, and then great. we'll pray and encourage everyone. Yeah, um, most of the stuff that I've been writing that I would really like to share with people, the, the messages that I think are most important for people to hear right now are on my website at evanmckeel.com. Pretty easy to remember. Um, you can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter. It's just my first and last name, at Evan McKeel. I like to share some encouragement and re- retweet some wise people there as well. Um, you can email me also at evan at evanmckeel.com. I've tried to use my first and last name, so it's very easy to remember. <laughs> right. And then what about with your church? For people that are in the area or that want to watch or stream the live services and see you leading worship, shout that out for us again. Yeah, please. Please go follow Church Unlimited uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas. What an incredible church. I've been so blessed to be here. Uh, I see myself here for a very, very long time. It's such an encouraging place. It's a place that has truth and and encouragement, wisdom, and conviction. Uh, It's a great community. Even if you're not in in Texas, you can watch us online at churchunlimited.com. We had over 300,000 people um, on just on church online in 2020 during the pandemic. So um, wow. it's really growing a lot. And there's, I've seen so many people's lives change from being a part of this place. So 
definitely come follow along. And also, Church Unlimited is really the only place I'm singing now. So um, please check out Church Unlimited if you'd like to hear uh, like to hear me sing and, and do my thing with music. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Evan. I'm going to have you pray for us and just share some final words of encouragement, and we're going to wrap up this special episode. Yes, ma'am. All right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that Sade and I have had to speak with one another. I thank you for the, the position you have put her in to encourage and share and, and brighten the world. I thank you for uh, the amazing uh, woman of God she is and the amazing mind and the amazing spirit, positivity, and energy that you've given her. And I thank you that you're using her to bless so many people. I thank you for the blessing that she's been to me today. God, I pray that you would bring people um, encouragement through this time today. I pray that you would continue to put these things we've talked about on people's minds. And I pray that uh, people would see their lives change in the same way that you've changed my life, that you've changed Sade's life through these simple pieces of wisdom. Um, We thank you so much for this time together, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much to my dear, amazing friend, Evan McKeel, for being on this very special episode of the Sade Champagne Show. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in on Grindheart Radio and 57WLLE.net, the beat of the city in Raleigh, North Carolina. We will be back soon for a brand new episode. I'm Sade Champagne. Welcome to my show. I'm Sade Champagne. Where we dream and lift each other up. I'm Sade Champagne. Love is the answer. Grace is the way. Champagne. We're anchored in hope. The Sade Champagne Show. We keep the faith, entertainment, education, inspiration. Sade Champagne, Sade Champagne. Welcome to the Sade Champagne Show. I'm Sade Champagne. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.